my friend uh, Vince Ornato, a uh, local Pittsburgh artist, caricature artist, really talented guy, was uh, you know sent me a message the other day, and he said, you know, he's pointing out to me that the most influential bands in rock seem to be British. I mean, if you think about it, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, the Rolling Stones, even the Beatles, Pink Floyd, ACDC isn't even an American band, right? Um, U2 is Irish. So, like, what happened? I mean, rock and roll is a uniquely American art form, like, isn't it? I mean, after all, Elvis is the king. No? (laughs) So what happened? Did American musicians lose their place in the great rock race? Um, Hells to the no. We're going to talk about it. Get ready to rock out with your talk out. It's the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. All right, too much moving around there. I went out of focus. Um, uh, you listen to Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Moms and dads, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the circus. I am Ludini. I am your ringmaster for this rock and roll ride of mayhem and mischief. So welcome. I have sitting next to me in the co-pilot's chair this evening, the lovely and talented Miss Lily V6. What's up? Oops, and that is going to be really loud. And there's some musica going on. Strange love. <laughs> Take it back a second. All right, there we are. Um, so we got Lily V6, as, and Keith the Hawk Hawkins is on a uh, little bit of a hiatus for a couple of weeks due to some gigs. And that's what my brother is a professional musician, and so he's need to, he needs to go out and earn his living there. So good for him, and we wish him well, and we'll be seeing him here in a couple of weeks. So he's not gone. He's just on a little bit of a uh, rock and roll vacation. Um, Ludini Rock and Roll Circus You want to go to LouLombardiMusic.com Get more information there We have all kind of uh, things you can get We have an awesome private Facebook group We have free downloads And all kind of fun stuff like that So check that out As well as, listen guys um, If you could just do this right now Wherever you're listening You know that little button on the side of your device That looks like a little V that's the share. Just share the share it wherever you are. Just quickly hit that share button real quick and share it around. Um, I'm gonna also gonna ask you to do something else, and we're gonna we're gonna give you a uh, a goodie for this. If you'd like to get a free Ludini Rock and Roll Circus T-shirt, and we have several different ones you can you can pick from. Um, <clears throat> I want you to go to iTunes uh, on your device or on your computer or whatever, and find us LudiniRockandRollCircus.com, and the little thing that says rate and review. Click that and leave a five star and give us a give us a good review and then send us a screen cap at it. Send it to Lou at LouLombardiMusic.com. Screen cap, photo with your phone, whatever. And we're going to do a drawing at the end of April and we're going to give away a free t-shirt for that. So please do that. Uh, reviews, iTunes reviews for a podcast are like freaking huge. So... There's so many things I need to tell you about, um, and I want to get into tonight's topic because it's freaking huge. But don't forget Wolf's Customs. Um, we talk about these guys every week. I'm wearing the T-shirt tonight, the Wolf Custom. Very fashionable. Um, go to wolfscustoms.online. Get a custom paint job done on your musical instrument, whatever it is. It will make you look 
marvelous on stage as that thing is happening again uh, all around the country and around the world. So get a hold of Chris Thunderwolf Dodson at WolfsCustoms.online. He does awesome custom finishing, and they do some other mods and little things like that. So check him out, WolfsCustoms.online. Rock Rage Radio, as always, RockRageRadio.com. Download the app. you got to have the app to get great guitar-driven rock 24-7, as well as amazing shows like this one and... Hot Licks with Lily Six, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. See? All free. Tons of stuff, totally free. Very cool thing. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there's things I'm forgetting about. I will talk about Rock and Pod in the middle break, uh, but that's something that uh, I think you guys would really enjoy, too. We'll talk about it later. So tonight's topic... I feel like I need like a, you know a cup of coffee or something after that. Um, maybe a shot of one of these amazing whiskeys. Um, tonight's topic: uh, the Doors and thirteen other American rock acts that changed music. That is the official title of it. Um, of course, I think Lily and I are both going to say something about the Doors at some point. But there's a bunch of other bands, and this was one of those that was really hard to pick. I think I've got like twenty <laughs> on my list, something like that. <laughs> Because it's just like every time I would think, I would go, oh, well, wait a minute, that band. And wait a minute, that band. So there's, uh, we got a million of them. We're going to try to pick and choose and try to put together a list of around 13 or so. Um, because, you know, like I said at the beginning, you know, it's really weird. You, you know, people think of the Beatles and the Stones and all these great bands. But, you know, America was doing some great stuff in music during that classic rock era as well. It took us maybe a beat or two to catch up. But hey. We're here, and we're doing our thing, and we have some great music to talk about. So um, let's go ahead and get into that. I would, As always, let's go ahead and start with Lily. Um, and you guys know what America is? and you know. Do we need to explain all that? <laughs> she usually starts off with some bio or something, but like that's... That we're not going to do that today. In 1776, <laughs> four score. And 1492, anyway. But uh, yeah, in any case, um, so... And, and the criteria is, let's talk about the criteria real quick. Um, we're moving around a lot. Uh, please do not bitch about the focus. It'll come back into focus, I promise. Um, the criteria of this is sort of this. The bands, we try to stick to mostly bands from the first classic rock era. But, you know, with peppering in some of the later cassette tape era bands and then the CD era bands, um, you know, into maybe early 90s stuff. Just a smackering. Try to try to stay with that early stuff um, as much as possible, as well as if we really try to stick to bands. I know that people are going to say, "Well, what about this guy? What about that guy? What what, what about Billy Joel or you know whoever?" And um, those are, those people are great, um, but that's not a band. You band that functions as a band. Um, we're going to have a couple that are so-and-so and such-and-such such band. We have one or two of those on there. We really try to keep that to a minimum. Um, the other thing is we need to talk real quick. Let's just get this out of the way. Jimi Hendrix is not on the list. I'm sorry. Yes, Jimi Hendrix is widely influenced, but the members of the band are British. Not American. Not American. <laughs> I ain't not American. I ain't had no America over there in England at that time. He's American, but Mer- they're not American. He's American. He's only American there. But um, so uh, sort of a honorable mention or sort of like mentioning Hendrix without mentioning uh, the Jimi Hendrix experience. It's just, you know, great, but we got to set that aside. So we got to dig a little deeper here. Um, but there's a lot of gold, isn't there, Lily? 
Yes. I mean, it's a lot of gold. When we start talking about these bands, you guys go, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> those were so, that band was so important. And, you know, and some of these bands you may not personally like, but you got to admit that, like, whoa, like, there's a lot of other people that, like, love those bands and were super influenced by them. I so, definitely have a band on my list that's a little later on that I don't like, but I have to give them credit where credit yeah, We'll and, get and, to that. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I have some of those too as well. So let's go ahead. Let's let's dive in because this is super fun. And go ahead, Lily. You start. Let's just start it off with a bang. And my favorite band is Aerosmith. Everyone heard of them, I'm sure. Um, formed in Boston in 1970. They rooted in blues-based hard rock. Uh, they had pop rock, heavy metal, glam metal, rhythm and blues. Um Referred to as the Bad Boys from Boston or America's Greatest Rock and Roll Band, the primary songwriting team of Tyler and Perry is known as the Toxic Twins, which is kind of fun. It's a great name. Uh, they re- released a string of primary song, uh, excuse me, multi-platinum albums starting with their um, debut in 1973. Uh, throughout the 70s, the band toured extensively, charted a dozen Hot 100 singles, including their first, which was Sweet Emotion. I know everybody knows that song. It's on the radio all the time. Uh, but by the end of the decade, they were among the most popular hard rock band in the world and uh, developed a following of fans often referred to as the Blue Army, which I did not know they yeah, had an really? army. All the years of loving Aerosmith. You did <laughs> now, not I know didn't that. know that. I, know, I did not know it either, but I'm not the Aerosmith <laughs> fan that Lily is, but go ahead. That's not a thing I knew about. Um, they did tons of popular music videos featuring Liv Tyler and Alicia Silverstone primarily, um, as well as other um, very famous people, too. I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Not one of my favorite songs, but it charted heavily because of the movie Armageddon. Um, they have achieved 21 top 40 hits, uh, nine number one mainstream rock hits, four Grammy Awards, six American Music Awards. Um, they have fallen from grace for a while there in the, like late 70s, early 80s, but they came back thanks to a group called Run DMC. Uh, yeah. that, that well, they had, some, they had some issues in the band with uh, drugs, substances, etc. You know, it happens, it happens. Um, I have seen them six times live and the show is different every single time. They do not incorporate every single song that everybody thinks they do. They do sprinkle in some of the deep cuts in there, which is great. Um, but they have proved to be a major influence um, themselves um on successful bands and musicians, especially the next generation of hard rock and heavy metal bands like Motley Crue, Rat, Guns N' Roses, Tesla, LA Gun, Cinderella, all of those bands, uh, the glam metal scene basically, um, especially Guns N' Roses, and uh, members of the alternative members of the alternative rock band such as Nirvana, Mother Love Bone, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots. The list she has goes like on. Twenty seven pages of Aerosmith. I do have twenty seven <laughs> pages of Aerosmith. <laughs> Because it is my uh, it is my favorite band. Uh, they also have a ride at Walt Disney World Whoa. called the Rock and Roller Coaster, I mean, starring Aerosmith. I mean, if you have a ride at, at, at Walt Disney World, like you, you know, you got to be doing something right. Uh, but they have sold more than 150 million records worldwide, including over 70 million records in the United States alone. So yeah, well, Aerosmith. I, yeah, I, I have no issues with Aerosmith one bit. Um, they my boys. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go back a little wee bit. This band were. They were the America's competition for the Beatles. And there was another band that begins with B, the Beach Boys. American rock band from Hawthorne, California, uh, formed in 1961. The group's original lineup, cons- lineup consisted of brothers Brian Dennis and Carl Wilson with their cousin Mike Love and Al Jardine. Distinguished by their vocal harmonies, adolescent-oriented themes, and musical ingenuity, they are one of the most influential acts of the rock era. 
They drew on the music of the older pop vocal groups, the, uh, the 50s rock and roll, black R&B, to create their unique sound. And underneath Brian Wilson's direction, often incorporated classical or jazz and even unconventional recording techniques in innovative ways. One of the first self-contained rock groups, the Beach Boys, began as a garage band managed by the Wilson's father, Murray. Um, and with Brian as the composer, arranger, producer, and uh, de facto leader in 63, they had their first national hit with Surfing USA, beginning a string of top 10 singles that reflected a Southern California youth culture, surfing, cars, romance, dubbed the California sound. They were one of the few American rock bands to sustain their commercial standing during the British invasion. Pet Sounds was, uh just wow like uh paul mccartney said that when they heard pet sounds he was like oh crap <laughs> what are we going to do and well they did sergeant pepper so <laughs> but uh you know 66 pet sounds album comes out good vibration single raise the group's prestige as rock innovators uh, after uh, scrapping the, the Smile album in 67, Brian's contributions diminished due to his mental mental health issues. He quit the touring schedule, but stayed on, uh, you know, working and producing and working with them. But uh, a wildly influential band, way more than just surf, amazing vocal harmonies, uh, writing, arranging, uh, just, you know, and they, really, they gave the Beatles a run for their money. Uh, the Beach Boys, my first introduction to rock and roll was... The Beach Boys and Chuck Berry. Those were the, those. I found those records in my mom's record collection, and I was <laughs> hooked after that. There was no turning back. So that's my pick. What do you what, got? Well, what surprises me about the Beach Boys is I find a lot of people actually don't like them, and I'm like, you have to like at least one song from the Beach Boys. At least one. Like they're all catchy. They're all fun. They're all well. I guess they're about love, but they're about sex too. Yeah, so. yeah. You have the back seats <laughs> of cars, and, all and they did sell over 100 million records worldwide. Important band. Gotta give it to them. Yeah, yeah, yep. So we'll just go ahead and kick it off with a band I saw with Aerosmith once, which was, and I'm sorry, Keith isn't here. Kiss. So we're gonna talk about Kiss. (laughs) (laughs) American rock band formed in New York City. And there it is. In January '73, obviously you know the members: Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Frehley, and Peter Chris is the most known uh, and the original guys from the band. Uh, they did the stage outfits. Um, the group rose to prominence in the late 70s with uh, their crazy live performances. If you've ever seen them, they incorporate blood, pyrotechnics, flying, crazy drum kits, the whole thing. Um, they had gone through several lineup changes, as I said. Stanley and Simmons are the only two members who have been in the band throughout. Um, one of the most influential bands of all time is one of the best-selling bands of all time, having sold more than 75 million records worldwide, including 21 million certified albums. Um, and they hold the record for the uh, number one gold record award-winning albums as well. Wow. Um, the, uh, they've been classified under genres of hard rock, shock rock, and heavy metal, and glam rock. Uh, most of the 1970s uh, and the first release between 74 and 77, um, they've used... The traditional heavy metal style, but they've also experimented with disco, pop, progressive, from music from the Elder, uh, plus more. It uh, was the sound that sort of laid the groundwork for both arena rock and pop metal, and that dominated the rock in the late 80s. The first review of Kiss by Rolling Stone in 1973 described the band as the American Black Sabbath. 
Wow, interesting. <laughs> I didn't, wouldn't guess that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, the world of concert touring was changed by KISS. Uh, they had the uh, unique design stage sets. Tours got larger, carrying more personnel and equipment. So that this gets costly with the costumes yes. and the pyrotechnics and the whole thing. So they also came up with significant expansion of concert merchandising. They literally put their logo on everything. Fake or invisible guitar strings, T-shirts, coffins, shoes, like literally anything. They slapped the logo on everything. This helped pay for these crazy ass tours. So that they they were not only super fun to watch, super inspiring, but they were very smart guys. They knew what the hell they were doing. But uh, yeah, there that there it is. Uh, Gene Simmons is often asked to speak at like business conventions and things like that <laughs> because of their success. It's mind blowing. If you've never read the book, if you're in business and you've never read the book Kiss and Makeup, you should read it. There's some there's some great nuggets in there of like like business stuff that will just be like, whoa, the dude knew what the hell he was doing. Paul Stanley too. He, they, they were, were they were definitely partners. They were definitely partners on the on the whole thing. Um, uh, good pick. They're on my list as well. I'm gonna pick a band that I do not believe is on Lily's list, but man, this band, you can't like. Go through a radio dial. I think if we put turned a local radio dial on right now, Probably down, be on. we there would be one Creedence Clearwater Revival song <laughs> being played. Um, the, these, this band is just so freaking pervasive. Um, uh, American rock band recorded performed from sixty seven to seventy two. The band initially consisted of lead vocalist, lead guitarist, primary writer John Fogarty, his brother Tom Fogarty, Stu Cook. And Doug Clifford, these members had played together since 59, first as the Blue Velvets, and then as the Gollywogs. Oh. And they went through a name change there. They needed to do that. Yes. CCR's <laughs> musical style accomplished roots rock, swamp rock, blues rock, southern rock, country rock. Despite their San Francisco Bay Area origin, the band played a southern rock style with lyrics about bayous, ca- bayous, 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 sorry, uh, <laughs> bayous, catfish, the Mississippi River, and other popular elements of southern United States like uh, iconography, uh, very similar to what a Canadian band was doing, the band. Uh, they, they, they were sort of obsessed with the South as well. The band's songs rarely dealt with romantic love, concentrating on political and socially conscious lyrics about such topics as the Vietnam War, performed at Woodstock. Um, they disbanded acrimoniously in 72 after four years of chart-topping success. Fogarty had officially left the previous year. John was at odds with the remaining members over matters of business and artistic control, all of which resulted in subsequent lawsuits among the former bandmates. Um, these songs are freaking everywhere. They're in tons of movies, television shows, car commercials, just like... You have heard, I don't care who you are, you know a Creedence Clearwater, it's like the Beach Boys, you know a Creedence Clearwater revival song. I can't Sorry. go to a bar without hearing Suzy Q. It exactly. doesn't even matter. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, they had a real love of um, Motown and soul music, big hits with covers of um, things like Heard It Through the Grapevine, just... Just, just insane and a very unique, so distinctive, right, Lily? Mm-hmm. In two seconds, oh, CCR. Yeah. You just know it. Mm-hmm. And um, just, it's in the consciousness of this country. <laughs> it is like <laughs> everything. Um, 
the, the, like I said, you 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 know you can't you can't go down a radio down and and not hear a, a CCR song. Um, just for that reason alone, I mean they they got to be on the list. So my pick is uh, Credence. That's a good one. I'm gonna go another direction here and go with the Ramones. Yeah, I got them. Good band. Uh, American punk rock band formed in New York City. Uh, actually, the New York City neighborhood of Fort Well, there's Stills. another example. Sex Pistols. You know, there's British. that. Yep. Uh, they are often cited as the first true punk rock group, despite achieving only limited commercial success. Success, blah, 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 success. Initially, I want to talk about sex, obviously. Sex, sex. Sex, sex. <laughs> they created sex, sex. The band was highly influential in the U.S. and many other countries. All of the band members adopted pseudonyms, ending with the surname Ramon. So they all had the last name Ramon. You mean they weren't all brothers? They were not, because none of them were biologically related. <laughs> Crazy. Um, they were inspired by Paul McCartney of the Beatles, who would check into hotels as Paul Ramon. They performed 2,300 concerts, touring virtually nonstop for 22 years. Can't imagine why they're all dead now. Uh, recognition of... Really? There's not one? I don't think anybody's alive. alive. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure none oh of them are alive. Um, recognition of the band's importance built over the years. Uh, so initially they started out like any other punk band would start out, not very well known, but then sort of caught on. Um, on March 18, 2002, the original four members and Tommy's replacement on the drums, Marky Ramone, were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on the first year of eligibility, which is super surprising to me that they even got in. Um, Joey had passed away by then. In 2011, the group was awarded a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, their loud, fast, straightforward musical style was influenced by pop music that the band members grew up listening to in the 50s and 60s. Um, it was also part uh, a reaction against the heavy, produced, often bombastic music that dominated the pop charts in the 70s. They sort of wanted to move away from that and go to what they... More they were bored. Yeah. Sound, yeah. So they were bored and they wanted to try something back that they are used to. Um, Joey once said, as leaders in the punk rock scene, the Ramones music was usually uh, identified with that label, while some have categorized their styles pop punk or power pop. But in the 1980s, the band sometimes veered into hardcore punk territory, as can be heard on Too Tough to Die. Hmm. But they were super fun. And they're in the movie Rock and Roll High School. I mean, the rock, whole movie's rock, about them. Rock and Roll High School. <laughs> Which I love. And, and, and an- another band it. you probably... No, a, a one Ramones song, at least. You know one. <laughs> you have to know one. <laughs> you have to know one. Um, this band here, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I don't know what it is. Like, it's just this coincidence. It's not that I'm in a mood for Southern Rock or anything tonight. But uh, this band, Leonard Skinner. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, every, every country act starting about 1987 through about 2005 was just basically, let's do Skinner. I mean, just, just let's do Skinner. That, that, that's what they, that's what, that's what they because were doing. Because it's fun. That, you know, they, they, you know, they had a band, you know, so that they became country music what 20 years after you know they were rock band but uh, american rock band formed in jacksonville florida i there's another florida band i believe i think i'm going to talk about and maybe lily's going to talk about later on as well a group originally formed uh, as my backyard in 64 with ronnie van zandt gary rossington alan uh, collins uh the band spent five years touring small venues under various names with several lineup changes uh, before deciding on Leonard Skinner, band released the first album in 73, having settled on a lineup included Lee, uh, addition of Leon Wilkerson, Billy Powell, great keyboard player. A uh, interesting thing was that um, th- I just learned this about Freebird. They 
nobody realized that Billy Powell was a classically trained piano player. Oh. And he was just playing something, and they were like, what are you doing? <laughs> and like, we got we to gotta put that on... This, this, we got to put this on the album, and it became the big introduction to uh, the song "Freebird," which is in the rock pantheon. Like it's, it's "Freebird" stairway to heaven, right? It is. Those are like you know. <laughs> let me let me talk about this just for one second. Sure. You go to a, so I just put on at the Subalpine a super heavy metal show, and people were screaming "Play Freebird." I'm like, stop yourself. But yeah. Yeah, um, of course, you know, the, one of the things that immortalized them and like it's sad but true. I, I maybe we're going to talk about another band later the, the, with a reference to that. Um, they, you know, they had a terrible accident. The lead singer and a couple other guys, Casey Gaines, um, were, were uh, killed. And um, this just only added to the mystique mm-hmm. of the whole situation, right? I mean, like. You know, they died. And so, like, it's a whole thing now. I mean, that's... If, if you... If there's a great uh, homage uh, to Leonard Skinner um, called the Southern Rock Opera. It's uh, by uh, the D- Drive-By Truckers. And you can find it on Spotify or whatever. Listen to it. It's an homage to the, the Skinner story. So, there's a rock opera written, that's fine. dedicated to... <laughs> to Leonard Skinner, amazing, right? Um, you know, since then, you know, they they reunited and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they've got this whole, like, uh, Fox News redneck thing going on, which I think is kind of annoying. But um, you can't, again, you can't deny Skinner. You gotta, I mean, just huge. And there's a lot of uh, bands later on that came out that definitely owe a lot to Leonard Skinner. Uh, there's a guy maybe you heard of named Zach Wilde. Huge Skinner, uh, hugely influenced by Skinner as well as the Almond Brothers. Um, modern bands like uh, Blackstone Cherry, very heavily influenced. Even Texas Hippie Coalition. Mm-hmm. I don't think you oh, have that sure. type of those type of bands uh, without Leonard Skinner. Um, and just the fact that you're probably sick of Leonard Skinner <laughs> makes. Th- is the reason why they are an important, um, one of the most important and influential American rock bands. But also, uh, Lou and I watched a very cool movie about uh, the plane crash yes. uh, that Artemis Pyle, the drummer, put on um, called Street Survivors. So if you want to check that out, it is on Amazon. But it is a very good movie. It's a different sort of view of what happened, but done very well. Yeah. So anyways, so I know that Dave, uh, there's a lot of people that have a love-hate relationship with Skinner, but I, I don't, I think you kind of got to give the devil his due on that one. But go ahead. What do you got? <laughs> well, we got some comments. All right, cool. So let's do that. Uh, Bill Damiano's watching and... He said Kiss also had condoms. And I knew that, but, you know, I couldn't name everything they'd done. <laughs> I don't, it's only an hour show. Um, also put their blood in Reading for a Marvel, com- Marvel comic book about them. Um, Bill Thomas said he saw the Ramones five times. Um, wow. Also, Bill Damiano said the Van Zants are king of Southern Rock Country, Rock 38, Special Skinner. Yeah. There's that. So anyway. Charlie Daniels, all of that. The whole um, thing. So, yeah, um, then since we're taking a little pause here, I want to tell you guys about a really cool event coming up four months, six days, seven hours, 29 minutes, and 26 seconds seconds from now. (laughs) (laughs) August 6th through the 8th, Rockin' Pod Nashville. Uh, This is a great opportunity for you to come out and meet at least me. I hope Lily's going to be there. 
Make sure I can get a horse. Meet the circus. Uh, I know Keith has a wedding that weekend. Um, But it is a podcasting convention, primarily rock podcasters. It's very, very cool. There's going to be a lot of different bands playing. There's going to be a lot of events around the city of Nashville that are that are uh, associated with, it, with, with, with the thing. Uh, it's a giant expo with a bunch of different podcasters. There'll be tons of memorabilia. Uh, lots of rock stars walking around, uh, signing autographs, doing interviews. People like um, Billy Sheehan, uh, Ron Keel, who I think occasionally listens to our podcast. He does. Um, he does. Jason Beeler, uh, Tommy Scotch, is that how you say his name? Scooch? Scooch? Sco- uh, I actually don't know how to Scotch. say his name, but I know I who he is. I shouldn't have said that on the air. Um, <laughs> and uh, Don Jameson. Who's hysterical. Uh, he's awesome. Uh, what was the show? Um, metal, that metal, metal show. show. Uh, yeah, great dude. I'm really looking forward to meeting him. So uh, that all takes place August 6th or 8th. You go to uh, Nashville Rock and npodexpo.com for more information, tickets, etc. We just had to give a shout out to that. Um, so let's get back to our regularly scheduled program already <laughs> in progress. All right. So I'm going back to the punk scene and somebody who um, predates the Ramones, actually. And I do want to give them a little bit of a shout out because they are nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. And I think they don't know, people don't know enough about them. Stop. People don't know enough about them, so they're not even going to get recognized. But it is the New York Dolls. American rock band formed in New York City in 71, along with the Velvet Underground, which nobody really seems to like, and the uh, Stooges. They were the one of the first bands of the early punk rock scenes. Um, according to the Encyclopedia of Popular Music, the New York Dolls predated the punk and glam metal movements and were one of the most influential rock bands of the last 20 years. They influenced the Sex Pistols, Kiss, the Ramones, Guns N' Roses, the Damned, and the Smiths. Um, according to all music editor Stephen Thomas, Early wine, the New York Dolls developed the original style of hard rock that presaged both punk and heavy metal music and drew on elements such as dirty rock and roll of the Rolling Stones and the archaic noise of the Stooges. Uh, the glam rock of David Bowie and T Rex and the girl and the girl and girl group, group girl group pop music. They were one of the ones who did dress and drag on stage. They had heels on, makeup, the whole thing. It was sort of a little bit of a joke how they were dressed at that time. But who else did that kiss? So there's that. Uh, they are credited for being punk rock before there was a term for it. I did see them one time when they got back together in like, I guess it was about 2012-ish. Yeah. Um, they still had pretty good energy on the stage. They opened for Motley Crue and Poison, which I found kind of funny. That's, but, that's cool. But they have since disbanded again. But I do think they deserve a little bit of credit because I don't think we would have things like the Ramones hmm. without the I think that's dolls. an interesting choice. <laughs> I thought about the New York Dolls, but I did not put them on my list. But I, but they, they, they did cross my mind. Um, I have, we have to talk about the Doors. Do it, American rock bands from uh, Los Angeles '65. Of course, Jim frickin' Morrison, Ray frickin' Manzarek, <laughs> Robbie frickin' Krieger, and John frickin' Densmore. Uh, frickin they have the same middle these name. These guys were jamming <laughs> on the same middle name. <laughs> I mean, these guys at the time were kind of musicians. Musicians. They were all really talented uh, instrumentalists with this guy out front who was poet, rock star, rebel, you know, gang leader, just like absolutely everything. The uh, They took their name from Aldous Huxley's book, The Doors of Perception, referenced, uh, uh, it, which itself is referenced uh, by a quote by the poet and artist William Blake. 
After signing with Electra, The Doors, and Morrison, uh, released six albums in five years, some of which are considered among the greatest of all time, including The Doors, Strange Days, and L.A. Woman. Uh, they were one of the most successful bands during that time. By 72, The Doors sold over four million albums domestically and nearly eight million singles. Morrison died in uncertain circumstances in 71. The, the band continues the trio for a little bit, but disbanding in 73, released more albums in the 70s here and there. Um, they did re, uh, they do a very cool thing with, uh, I believe, in association with VH1, where they had different vocalists who loved the Doors music and were influenced by Jim Morrison get up and like they would each sing a door song. Eddie Vedder did it. Um, uh, I believe Scott Stapp was on there as well. Uh, but the guy who was the real standout was Ian Ashbery from the cult. And they actually ended up going on tour with him uh, singing the songs. I did not see it, but I did hear that it was very freaking cool. Okay. You I'd know? have to probably I mean, look they, that. they made no pretenses that you know yeah he's Jim Morris they didn't Ian was Ian and he just sang the songs uh, you know uh, with his like amazing voice and his great stage presence and uh, but if you get a chance to check that I'm sure it's on YouTube um, it's very cool an interesting thing Scott Weiland Perry Farrell is uh, uh, we're also part of that uh, VH1 I can see that yes. I can see that. Another fun thing to add to that, too, is uh, they actually had sort of two revivals after the band decided to call it quits. Um, first was the Doors movie came out in 1991. Oh, yeah. And everybody was, like, All of a sudden, yeah. loving it. And you it. know what? Then, and then, you know, and that's interesting because that's about, that's when the grunge, all of a sudden the grunge thing yeah. starts happening. And you get Eddie Vedder and those guys. Yeah. yeah and uh, uh, Val, Val Kilmer did an amazing yeah. job. The band, however, hated it. They think they painted Jim Morrison with a bad picture. I think it probably was accurate, but that's just me. I wasn't there, so I don't know. Anyway, the other one was, um, let me find it here. I know I wrote it down. The first beginning in the late 70s, there was a sustained revival interest in The Doors, when, uh, which created a new generation of fans. The origin um, was traced to the release of the album An American Prayer in 78, which contained a live version of Roadhouse Blues that received considerable airplay on album-oriented rock radio stations. And in 1979, the song The End was featured in Apocalypse Now. So there, that whole album blew up again, and it sold better that time than it did the first time. So they had two revivals, one in like the late 70s and one in the 90s. It's like the revival with Queen. Yeah. You know, they got a couple of revivals, which is very freaking cool. Every time a new thing comes out like that, you know, that you can't find an album in a damn radio or a music store at all. It's sort of, sort of annoying. Um uh, speaking of those type of revivals, uh, uh, and I and I'm kind of late to this, but apparently there is a reaction video from some young kids to Phil Collins um, in the air tonight. Really? And that ended up bringing that song back onto the charts because <laughs> everybody wanted to hear the song again, and it, it got back on the charts. So that's very cool that in, in this era that can happen. That's a that's a. That's I'm a, happy about it. I am too. <laughs> I'm going to complete. Uh, whose turn is it? Your turn. It's my turn. I'm sorry, you were talking. Um, but do these? No, you're gonna, okay. I know you're going to talk about these guys. I have him. Do you want me to talk? No, about talk him? about whoever you want. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the band that I don't really like, but I think they su- <laughs> super deserve to be on this list is Nirvana. Uh, love them or hate them, which I do not love them. Uh, American rock band formed in Aberdeen, Washington, 1987. Their su- uh, success popularized 
alternative rock, and they were often refer- referenced. I can't even talk today. I can't imagine why. Often referenced <laughs> as the figurehead band of Generation X, aka the Slacker Generation. Uh, their music maintains a popular following and continues to influence modern rock and roll culture. In the late 80s, Nirvana established itself as part of the Seattle grunge scene, which we all know I love. Um, With the album Bleach, Nirvana found unexpected mainstream success with Smells Like Teen Spirit, the first single from the landmark second album, Nevermind, a cultural phenomenon of the 1990s. The album went on to be certified diamond by the um, RIAA and is often credited as of ending the dominance of the hair metal scene, which is why I don't love Nirvana. <laughs> I don't love Nirvana. Um, they are characterized by their punk aesthetic. Um, Nirvana's fusion pop melodies with noise combined with their themes of objection and social alienation brought them global popularity because this was the time when somebody or the whole world needed a music change and they brought that music change. So more so was to like... The sadness and the depression of you wiping all of your eyes on those million-dollar paychecks (laughs) as opposed to partying and getting laid with your million-dollar paychecks. You know, though, that they did that. I think I always (laughs) thought that was the biggest freaking scam of grunge was that, like, these guys pretended this, and they were, like, doing drugs and banging chicks. Oh, you know. They were doing the whole thing. Come on now. But by 2009, Nirvana record sales were over $75 worldwide, making them one of the best-selling bands of all time. And they only had three years as a mainstream act, so there's that, because Kurt Cobain, quote-unquote, killed himself. <laughs> I know. I'm feeling you. Um, oh, and they are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 think, you have to, I think you have to mention Nirvana. I mean, you're, you're just kind of like... It's kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean, there is one band that we are, I refuse to talk about, <laughs> because they're shit. And that is Velvet Underground. I know. I, I know, I know like, you don't like that. I actually like Lou Reed... But I, the Velvet Underground was fucking stupid. Sorry. If you like the Velvet Underground, you can listen to another podcast. I only like the Velvet Underground because Andy Warhol had a hand in their album covers, and that's the only yeah, reason yeah, I really like them. That's just silly. And Andy Warhol's my favorite artist that's, of all time. You know, I can understand why you, you could say, oh, I like the album covers, but liking the band. I, I mean, that's different. Yeah, <laughs> I like the album covers. I like the banana. So yeah, she likes that. the banana. She likes the banana. <laughs> Don't they all? We don't all. I'm going to talk about this band, American heavy metal band, Metallica. Metallica. We're trying to look past our personal prejudices here and like go like, now nah, these bands are important. And um, I know, Lily, that's not one of your favorite bands either, but you kind of got to give the devil their due. As much as I, I don't mean, want to, I will crap, do it. man. I mean, you know, and these people that are crying about Metallica, like, come on, man. They brought so many fans into heavy metal. There were so many people that didn't know what heavy metal was. And I know you don't like the Black Album, but because of the Black Album, people went back, and, and this is a proven fact, people went back and listened to Kill 'Em All and Master of Puppets and all that stuff. They went back and listened to uh, and Justice for All and all those, all those things. Okay? So get over yourself. And they also dragged all the metal with them. I mean, this is one of the reasons why bands like Slayer and everything rose to such prominence, okay? Because they were like, they were riding on that, on, on those coattails because people heard this, well, what is this band? You know, this is another reason why Anthrax became such a, ma- a major band. You, I mean, these guys just like dragged heavy metal into the mainstream and said, you're going to just freaking like it. 
They made it super commercialized. It, you know, which was great. I mean, they were commercialized, but they also you had that residual, you had that trickle down where you all of a sudden people that didn't even know about this music became exposed to it, and a lot of people became metal fans because of Metallica. I'm not going to go into their history. Y'all freaking know who Metallica is, right? <laughs> we do, but. If you can, if you if you don't like them, that's one thing you don't like. But you cannot deny the influence they had, and I do not think that metal would be going around and having these giant festivals, like you know, uh, not as much in America, but in, in Europe, and South America, and in Japan, giant giant metal festivals. And I think a lot of that is owed to Metallica because of their success, because of them just bringing awareness. To this music, a music that was kind of like, I mean, I mean, I love Iron Maiden, freaking love. I love. They're in my. They're to me. They're they're a better band. I like them personally better. But you cannot deny, even Metallica probably helped Iron Maiden to some degree because again, just the idea of exposing mainstream culture to metal. All of a sudden, like, wow, what is that? These guys and there's all this other cool stuff. You might want to check out. That's it. That's all I'm gonna say about it. Metallica. <laughs> Done. Stamped. <laughs> well, next, I'm going to talk about Van Halen. Van Halen, dudes! Formed in Pasadena, California in 1974. Credited with restoring hard rock to the forefront of the music scene. Uh, they are well known for their energetic live shows and for the virtuosic... Virtu- How do you say that? This. Just like that. Say it like that. Virtuosic... Which is wrong. Forefront of the music scene, Van Halen was known for the energetic, I already said that, talent of prodigy lead guitarist Eddie Van Halen. Uh, Van Halen's musical style has been described as hard rock, heavy metal, and glam metal. Um, even with even with vocalist changes, like, or, you know, the we went from Sammy Hagar, Gary Sharon, David Lee Roth. Even with all of those changes, the band still stayed, like, right up here. There were changes made. The sound was different, but they were still like. Yeah, and whenever they they pl- packed freaking stadiums, didn't even I mean, matter. Like it didn't matter what was going on. They were, um, <laughs> <laughs> they were still successful throughout the uh, changes that they made. I mean, I, I honestly, if they would have, you know, not had the issues, they the internal issues, and and that had a lot to do with Eddie's drinking uh, issues. Um, I they they could have seriously just. Can never st- they could have been like Kiss in a sense that like just never stopped, right? You know, just came per, you know forever. U uh, two is another band that just kind of seems to like never stopped. They just, just go out and play. <laughs> oh, what uh, what book does we'll book the Guga Stadium for six nights in a row? Like you know, Van Halen is like they were like you know they could have been doing that, but they you know they had to they, they succumbed to some of the pressures. There were some things that went yeah, on that happened. we don't even know. But that's fine. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007. Um, as of March 2019, they are the 20th on the RIAA list of best-selling artists in the United States. The band has sold over 56 million albums and more than 80 million, or 56 in the U.S., 80 million worldwide, making them one of the best-selling groups of all time. As of 2007, Van Halen is uh, one of five rock bands with two studio albums to sell more than 10 million copies in the U.S., and is on the list for the most multi-platinum albums by an American band. They have charted 13 number one hits, and VH1 ranked them as seven on the list of top 100 rock artists of all time for good reason. And I'm more of a fan of the Hagar era, but that's just me. I've, I've never seen the Hagar era. I've only seen the David Lee Roths, but... Um, well, it's irrelevant because it's Van Halen. I know. It is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. 
right now. I mean, you just, I mean, you made a great point when you said it. it was like people didn't care. It's Van yeah. Halen. I don't care. Whatever. They matter. went and saw. Is Eddie Van Halen playing guitar? Alex Van Halen? Yeah, uh, That's all that matters. Yeah. And Van Halen in Yeah, we're good. Unfortunately, we did lose him in October 2020 from cancer. Um, Sadness let's all over the world. switch gears here. We're going to like um, go way back in time and we're going to take the, uh, crank the volume down for some mellow sounds. Uh, the sounds of Crosby. Stills, Nash, and of course, the irrepressible maniac himself, Neil Young. Now, Neil Young is Who, again, I'm not a fan of, but that's okay. But um, (laughs) really great um, uh, vocal group had, uh, you know, formed in 68. Uh, They found out that they could harmonize really well together as members from Buffalo, Springfield, and the Hollies kind of came together. Uh, the first album, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, without Young, was released in 69. Uh, uh, big hits, Sweet Judy, Blue Eyes, Marrakesh Express. <clears throat> in order to tour the album, the, uh, they hired drummer Dallas Taylor, uh, session bassist Greg Reeves. They still needed a keyboardist. Ahmed Aragon suggested Neil Young, not a keyboardist, <laughs> who played with Stills in Buffalo Springfield. So there's this heritage with Crosby, Stills, that kind of, they're, they're, well, they're a super group is really what we would call that. Uh, they started to tour. Um, the first album with Young was Deja Vu, reached number one in several international charts in 1970, remains their best-selling album, going on to sell over 8 million copies, uh, with three hit singles, four singles were released, uh, from the album, including Woodstock, Teacher Children, and Our House, the group's second tour, which produced live album Four-Way Street, was fraught with arguments between Young and Taylor, which resulted in Taylor being replaced by, uh, John Barbada, we don't need to get on into all that, um, Again, another one of these bands that's just irrepressible everywhere. They've like soaked into the DNA, really brought vocal harmony to the forefront. Not just vocal harmony the way um, that like maybe, a, you know, um, a boy band or something would do it, but they brought together these four songwriters. Like serious dudes, like poets like did you would consider and so just the fact that these guys worked together and created this amazing vocal sound and Woodstock band etc uh, I, I think that they are they are deserving I really had a hard time and I don't have these ranked in a particular order but these guys Santana and the Jefferson Airplane were all kind of competing in my mind for this kind of spot here, like this kind of like um, hippie. I sort of feel like you picked the right one. And I just kind of, they're all like have their own qualities. But I just felt that because these guys like were just such powerful songwriters. And I also kind of wanted to crowbar Neil Young, even though Neil Young is not American. He is an American citizen now. So it counts. <laughs> I'm not a fan of. So young, we're just going to kind of leave okay. it at that. Again, some of these really don't need a whole lot of talk, right? Nah, we know who the hell they are. Okay, so there we are <laughs> on that. And still goes young. the dynamite. Exactly. <laughs> um, next on my list, I'm going to go a little. I mean, not new, but newer than we've been talking. So Guns and Roses, uh, American hard rock band, L.A. '85. Uh, they signed with a major major record label within eight months of the band's inception and topped the national sales charts weeks after garnering late hours airplay on MTV. Um, Appetite for Destruction is the highest selling debut album of all time in the United States. Um, peers of the band in the music industry often spoke highly of the band. Joe Perry stated that the band was the first group to remind him of Led Zeppelin. Um, Ozzy Osbourne stated that GNR could have been the next Rolling Stones um, if the classic lineups stood together. 
Country musician Steve Earle stated that in 1989, the Guns N' Roses are what every L.A. band pretends to be. The music of Guns N' Roses is a fusion punk rock, blues rock, heavy metal, hard rock, and hair metal band. Guns N' Roses are influenced by many modern... Has influenced many modern rock bands such as Fall Out Boy, Avenged Sevenfold, Mother Love Bone, Buck Cherry Hinder, a whole bunch of them. I'm not going to name them all. They were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2012 in the first year of eligibility. The group is one of the world's best-selling bands of all time, having sold more than 100 million records worldwide, half of that being in the U.S. Whoa, Nelly. So there's that. Uh, how many more do you have on your list? Um, I just have one more. Okay. Um, I'm looking at my list, and I just feel like mine kind of sucks. This uh, doesn't suck. Uh, my, my next one is kind of like a meh. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to do one and like I said we really tried to keep like solo artists out of the situation. Um so I'm kind of kind of cheat. Just, doesn't uh, matter at this point. It's the E Street band. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> really? Do I have to say anything else? Gary Talent, Roy Batan, Max Weinberg, Steve Van Zant, Nels and Nels Lofgren, Patty Scalfia. Look, um, Springsteen's band is uh, is as iconic as he is, um, and I don't think. And he, yes, Springsteen has done records without the E Street Band, and they're solid. They're okay, but when he gets together with these with um, with these guys, and of course the big man, Clarence. I'm sorry, I apologize, uh, Clarence Clemens. Of course, the big man. Um, when he, you know, when when those guys get together, it's a whole thing. It's an it's it's an insane wall of sound. It's it, it sounds like an orchestra. Um, I when you listen to something like Born the song, the track Born to Run, I I'm often reminded of some of like Brian Wilson's production with the Beach Boys, except he's using an orchestra and these are what six people, something like that, you know, standing you know in, in a studio, unfreaking real. I don't think that like I don't think that you have. The impact, and now I mean, some some hardcore Springsteen fans out there might argue with me, but man, do you really have the impact of Jungle Land without that band? <laughs> or even Born to Run? Do you have that? Max Weinberg's playing on Born in the USA is just so freaking like there. You know, it just it just really carries this. It's like basically it's like a two chord song. And it's a giant hit, and it's that groove, and it's the way those guys could play together. When Clarence Clemens comes in on a song um, like "Trapped," when he when he when that saxophone starts wailing, like it is just a whole other. It just takes his takes Bruce's music to a whole other thing, and I think there's a lot of bands that are it were definitely Springsteen influenced. I mean, one of the things that. Um, uh, Liv Tyler, stepdad, Rundgren, Rundgren, Todd Rundgren, <laughs> what was going for on the Meatloaf album was he? They were going for that for him and um, uh, um, help me out, Steinman. Oh my gosh, went wanted <laughs> to get that Springsteen wall of sound, and it's essentially Springsteen's band playing on that Meatloaf album. That's, that's essentially it, minus Steve Van Zandt on guitar. Um, Todd Rundgren is, is playing guitar on that album. Um, so this band is just out of freaking sight. Whether you like Springsteen or not, you know, y- you got to give the devil's due. And that just sound just pervaded, pervaded. And 
It, he never really left. He does Born to Run. It's gigantic. He doesn't really go away. But then Born in the USA comes out, and then he really never goes away for a really long time. And then he does. They, then they do The Rising in 2000, which is like if you've not gone, if you haven't heard The Rising in a long time, go back and listen to it. Absolutely, it is exactly what we come to love about that band about Bruce Springsteen. So the Boss, the E Street Band. That's all I got to say. And there's that. And boom goes the dynamite. So what's your <laughs> last one, Big Lily? My last one is actually going to be a female-fronted band, which is Heart. And actually, Heart was a thing before the women were in the band. They formed in 67 in Seattle. They didn't. The girls didn't come in until the 70s, the Wilson sisters. Um, they this, But they were mostly successful when the Wilson sisters came into the uh, whole mix of the things. The core members were included in the band's 2013 induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, they rose to fame with music influenced by hard rock and heavy metal, as well as folk music. Uh, and they do cross multiple genres, um, folk rock to glossy AOR. The band's popularity declined in the 80s because a lot of people didn't really like the music in the 80s. I am an 80s heart band, so I don't really care what y'all say. Um, but they have um, 35 sold over 35 million records worldwide, not too shabby. Um, 22.5 million albums in the U.S. It's uh, placed top 10 albums on the Billboard. Um, in 1970s, 80s, 90s, and 2010s. Um, in his, uh, who in the hell am I talking about? Jake Brown's book, uh, Heart in the Studio, described the band as uh, beginning a revolution for women in music, breaking genre barriers and garnering critical acclaim. Um, as quoted by Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm, Heart were the first female-fronted band I heard and was influenced by. I had heard Heart and was like, oh, singing like that is a, like a girl, or as a girl is actually a thing. So it's, I have to include women when I can. Um, but the Wilson sisters have been active in the Seattle music uh, scene for decades and influenced many musicians from the region, including bands of the grunge era. Um, artists <laughs> that have used their bad animal studio, including Neil Young, R.E.M., Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and Alice in Chains. So some of the bands that uh, they influenced have used their studio, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and I think too that, like you mentioned, Lizzie Hale, and like they, they, Heart sets the groundwork for all the sort of you know girls rocking out. What's the what's the band that we were talking about last week? The Royal Plush, Young, Plush, you know, um, pretty uh, pretty reckless, Evanescence, you know, even like Alanis Morissette and people like that. Oh, a bit to heart. You know? Yeah, it definitely yeah. wasn't a thing for women to be like real rockers. The guitars were fronting the band, yeah. and they they did both. So. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, technically, you know, you could throw you could say Janis Joplin or whatever, but in terms of like being a band and being you know staying as a band, um, I definitely think you got to give the heart people um, their due. Um, the my my last pick here is real quick. I had the Grateful Dead. You know, again, I'm trying to look past like some of my personal kind of feeling. I, look, I don't hate the Grateful. I used to hate the Grateful Dead. I there's a if you if you search it, there's a, I wrote an article called "Why I Hate the Grateful Dead." Uh, I no longer hate the Grateful Dead, um, and I've grown to like really appreciate their music. Not, but still not like one of my favorite bands. Uh, American band formed in '65 in Palo Alto, California, known for its eclectic style, fusing elements of rock, folk, country, jazz, blues, gospel, psychedelic rock, live performance. <laughs> These guys also invent the jam thing, for better or for worse. I know some of you people have issues with the jam, uh, with the jam thing out there. Um, the, uh, created the whole deadhead culture in many ways, kind of what Kiss did in some ways with this sort of like whole culture around and everybody wanting to follow the band around and everything like that. But just what a, just a completely different vibe. Um, 
the uh, there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the, the various influences were distilled into a diverse psychedelic whole that made the Grateful Dead the pioneering godfathers of the jam world. Uh, the band was ranked 57th by Rolling Stone Magazine, the greatest artist of all time. The band was elected Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 94 and recording of their May A77 performance at Cornell University's Beacon Hall was added to the National Recording Registry of the Library of Congress. Okay, so that alone, your band makes it into the Library of Congress uh, kind of a thing. That puts you, that puts you in the running, I think. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, um, you know, we, we lost Jerry Garcia. The founding members were Jerry Garcia, Bob Weir, Ron uh, McKernan, uh, Phil Lesh, uh, Bill Krutzman. Uh, Keith is going to correct me on that. Uh, members of the da- uh, bet, uh, Dead had played together in various San Francisco bands, including Mother McCree's Uptown Jug Champions, Warlocks. Lesh was the last member to join. Um, so this was the, that's the classic lineup. People kind of came and went here, but really what kicked the band in the ass was the death of Jerry Garcia. Just Jerry kind of was sort of the face. That's kind of what people think of Mm -hmm. when they think of the Grateful Dead. And it was just very, um, you know, it just kind of put the kibosh on the whole thing. However, because people love the vibe so much, they bring in guys like Warren Haynes to play with them. They they're different different like great players. Bruce Hornsby becomes a kind of in and out member um, of the band. And you know, they create these tours. They tour as the other ones. Um, they tour as the dead. And you know, they still have this giant thing that people just absolutely love. This this amazing vibe. And um, one of the things that set them apart was while so many bands were very protective of the copyrights of their concerts and things like that, the Dead actually encouraged recording. And even uh, as once they saw it was going to become a thing, they actually had recording areas set up for people to bring their recording equipment and people traded the tapes around and everything. Unheard of. Completely unheard of. A very grassroots way to kind of get your music around, and probably having has a lot to do with their success and the fact that they the reason why they packed so many like fairgrounds. Like you know, I don't mean played the fair like they played. No, they would pack the entire fair like you like know, you weren't walking yeah, around. Yeah, to see the like hogs. thirty thousand people, kind of kind of thing. That's that's kind of what they would do. Um, I don't think that you can um, open air version of the stadium. <laughs> I don't think that you can kind of. Uh, 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 you know, uh, compete with that. Um, you know, they're also kind of known for their experimentation with with drugs and kind of getting people's minds to kind of open. We mentioned the Doors uh, as well, kind of having that vibe. These these guys like just kind of uh, took that to a whole other level. Um, I don't think you can. I, I think we, we got to throw the Grateful Dead up there. Um, we have some, and I have a bunch of others. I don't know if we want to comment. I'm not going to give the histories of these bands. Really, I'm just going to do quick honorable mentions. And if you want to throw a couple in, you can. Um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, um, the Eagles. I hate the Eagles. Um, Steely Dan and Chicago, the Talking Heads. Um, so just a few. Journey. Journey. I threw I, just because of the melodicism and the way they kind of brought that in, and I think I think it had a lot to do with what came after in the in the eighties with the uh, glam rock stuff. Is there any that uh, you're kind of think off the top of your head that might? Maybe uh, I mean, like Prince mention? of the Revolution uh, is always a good one, um, and this is one for metal people, Slayer. So, 
That's who I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, you know, so I mean, we could, you know, we could go all night on. This, we could go all honestly. night, but I think we have a pretty good list of folks that were really um, uh, important and sort of demonstrated sort of our point at the beginning here that like, yeah, 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 yeah. You have your Beatles and your Stones, but we got a few things we going on. We got things on too. We do. We do. <laughs> we're we cool do. too. Happy birthday to Frankie Lane. Number one single, I believe. Happy birthday to Slow Hand himself, Eric Clapton. Not American. Not American, but happy birthday to him. Happy birthday to Jim Dandy, Southern rock band, Black Oak, Arkansas. Number one hit, Jim, Jim Dandy. Just I love that song so song. much. Singing about himself. Uh, Ray Styles of the Tubes. I was just listening to uh, She's a Beauty. Mm. It's a great song. Oh, you can't touch this. MC Hammer, happy birthday. Happy birthday to Tracy Chapman. Uh, fa- and you want to get in her fast car? <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more, say no more. Oh, my God. My heart will go on. Will it Celine, Celine, my heart on will go on. Celine Dion. That's her friend. Dion. Uh-huh. Celine Dion. Dion. Happy birthday, Celine Dion. Uh, la, 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 la. Who else? We got any other? Oh, Nora Jones. Oh. Yeah. I like her. Yeah. Great uh, 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 singer-songwriter. Um, so, happy birthday to all, to all y'all. Don't have too much time for this day in music, but we want to send a few birthday shout-outs. Lily, when can we hear your show again? My show is Thursdays on Rock Rage Radio, Hot Licks with Lily 6, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. To okay. And a shout-out to Wolf's Customs. As always, go to wolfscustoms.online. Uh, and get that custom job done on your musical instrument. Um, please go to iTunes and give us a review. When you do the review, send us a picture, screen cap or whatever to Lou at LouLombardiMusic.com and we're going to put you in a drawing at the end of April for a free t-shirt. Uh, RockRageRadio.com. You want to go there, download the app. It's totally free. I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, uh, real quick. One more time. Rockin' Pod. Go to uh, Nashville Rockin' Pod expo.com and uh, get hooked up with all that stuff our uh, website right now is lulombardimusic.com free download stuff my band has uh, been in the studio we've got new music coming out I have some solo music coming out a lot of cool stuff happening so you want to check all that out um, guys it isn't all about the England I love England I, my, my, my buddy uh, Kerry uh, JK uh, British dude England's awesome but America was able to get in on that on that first wave of the big classic rock and really hold its own, as I think we've demonstrated. This I evening. agree. It's a good show. Absolutely. All right, guys, have a great one. We'll catch you all on the next Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Take care, guys. Yes, I'm